This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Uh, well, my my guest today, and I'm laughing because I can't believe I'm talking to him, is Matthew McConaughey. I mean, I guess he needs no introduction. Uh, welcome to Better Reading, Matthew. Good to be here with you today, Cheryl. Or as Australians would say, welcome, Matty. Welcome, Matty Macca. Been called a lot of those over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so he's an Academy Award winning actor, as we all know. He's a married man, a father of three children, and a loyal son and brother. He considers himself, above all, a storyteller by occupation, believes it's okay to have a beer on the way to the temple, feels better with a day sweat on him, and is an inspiring orchestral conductor. Mm-hmm. That I didn't know. In 2009, Matthew and his wife Camilla founded the Just Keep Living Foundation, which helps at-risk high school students make healthier mind, body and spirit choices. In 2019, uh, he became a professor of practice at the University of Texas at Austin, as well as a minister of culture for the University of Texas and the city of Austin. He's a brand ambassador for Lincoln Motor Company and owner of the major league soccer club Austin FC and co-creator of his favourite bourbon on the planet wild turkey long branch well well (laughs) now i love how your list of achievements starts with your family yes um and on purpose you know i uh, um uh, i've done different interviews or 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 being called to stage at certain times and you know they always go academy award winners and and i was doing something it was actually with uh, emmanuel acho's uh uncomfortable conversations with the black man, a series he had up here dealing with, you know, what's going on in the cultural revolution over here. And his intro was Academy Award winner, Texas Longhorn. I was like, no, no, no. The reason I'm here ain't got nothing to do with winning an Academy Award or where I went to go. I'm here as with the reverence of the father that I am. I'm here because I've got children and I care about where we're going in the future. And so I've, I've stuck with that. I like that to preset because that's the most important things to me right now, fatherhood and my family. Okay. So the book is called Green Lights and it's not a memoir. I picked it up way before I started hearing the media about it because I'm lucky enough to work in a business where I get copies uh, before everybody else does. And I thought, green lights, what is this? You know, what does green lights mean? Is it a memoir? Um, And when I started reading it, and I'm going to read uh, just a couple of lines, and I I never do this on a podcast, but these, these few lines really moved me and also resonated with me. And I feel that that's how I live my life. And so it's really interesting. Firstly, it's not a memoir. It's musings about life, I think, but you capture it really well. This is an approach book, you say. I am here to share stories, insights and philosophies that can be objectively understood. And if you choose, subjectively adopted by either changing your reality or changing how you see it. 
Now, one other line. I'm an optimist by nature, and humour has been one of my great teachers. I love that. Indeed. Oh, I, I love think that. All of us, right? When is, you know, I've got this line I say, my buddy and I say all the time, hey, if you're not sure how to react to a situation, can we just all make humour the default emotion? Mm-hmm. Oh, wouldn't we all just get along better? It you know, humor, so much, so many barriers, doesn't it? Well, it does. And people, you know, I noticed that sometimes we think that when we laugh at a contradiction or an opposition or a resistance or a crisis, people think that we're denying the crisis when actually we're not at all. It's untying a knot to for two things to communicate, to have real opposition, to have true confrontation, to then have the possibility of having a unity. Um, it. It, uh, it gets rid of the contradictions and creates the paradox and can be great for problem solving, can be great for lack for getting rid of stress, can be great for sort of having creative ideas to pop out, laugh about it and come back and you can see a situation completely differently and actually be much more constructive in how you handle the situation with humor. Uh, yeah, we could all use a little bit more of that. A lot more than that, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'll talk about optimism because something happened to me recently, which at the time really threw me. And there's, you know, a sense of it right throughout your book. I was at a dinner with a lot of affluent people and I, you know, I'm just a regular normal Australian living a great life in Sydney with a, you know, fantastic little business. And someone at the table asked me if I was rich, which I thought was a crazy question and why would you say that but anyway I said actually I am I am rich (laughs) I am rich on so many levels I've got family I've got a job I love I've got an apartment that I'm very happy to be in and I started thinking about my life I mean they were perplexed they just didn't understand it but for me I just came I drove home that night and I thought I have to be I am lucky and I am rich. And I get a sense of that right throughout your book. And I'm not talking about money here. Yeah. Well, I've constantly, as you see in the book, and I think what you're talking about is a question we should all ask ourselves. I value what? Mm. What do we we value? That, you know, what are, you know, what what does America tell us? Riches. What is capitalism telling us every day? You want success. You want respect. You want the best seat at the table. You want me to talk to you longer? Well, be rich and famous. Have money and have fame. Mm. Those two are at the top. Mm. Um, I think we've got to reorder those. And when we think about them personally, we have to think about what the order of our values are. i got nothing against money and fame. But, yeah, what other ways are we rich in our life? What are we? I say this in, in, in the book. We all want to be relevant. Mm-hmm. Relevant for what? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the, you know, with, hence the title Greenlights. I've, I've come across this realization in just talking about it with the book tour the last few weeks. You can catch some green lights that are battery powered, meaning they're going to, they're going to, you'll be hot and you'll be number one. You'll have your 15 minutes, uh, but you're going to end up regretting it or you're going to run out of gas. They're, they're going to dim. What are the solar powered green lights? What you talked about? How are you, how you're rich, your family, the life you have. That's a solar powered green light. That's the long view. And I think we all need to have, at least challenge ourselves to have a little bit longer view about what is it that I really value? What really matters? Yes, money is good and is a great tool and we all need it. It makes the world go round. It takes the pressure off. Sure. Oh, hell yeah. No doubt. And I am in no way boohooing money. Yeah. Um, But I do know a lot of people and I've probably done it before myself where I chased maybe money 
at the at, at the behest of something else that actually was more valuable to me mm-hmm. and maybe sacrifice that thing. Um, you know, how many times do we, how many people do we know that chase a certain career to make to enough money because they want to die with the most toys, but at a home life is in shambles. Mm-hmm. The kids don't even know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would choose to say that the more selfish act, actually the more solar powered green light would be to, you make enough to, to take care of yourself and to fulfill your ambitions, but boy, it'd be nice to have a good relationship with your children. Know you're shepherding off hopefully the best possible young men and women in the world you can in a relationship with your spouse. Um, you know, so yeah, it's a re- I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great exercise for us all to ask ourselves that question. What do I value? Uh, a few years back, I was in a real flux in my career. I'd left a job and I bought a house and I didn't have another job. <laughs> I'm like, right, okay, what am I going to do here? And I was listening to the radio and I heard an Aboriginal elder talking about happiness. And, you know, mm. there's those moments that change your life, right? Mm. And, you know, I'm not at all religious. As a matter of fact, I call myself an atheist. But I do believe in humankind and I do believe in kindness and I be- do believe that we get back what we give out. But anyway, I pulled the car over because here, and also I do believe this, that sometimes you hear what you need to hear in that moment or you read what you need to read in that moment. Yeah. And he said, and I never quite got his name, But he said, the problem with Western civilization is happiness is always in the future. Yeah, I can't wait for Friday because then, you know, work's over and I'm going to go out for a drink or whatever. I can't wait for next week because I'm going to, you know, do go to this fancy restaurant or whatever. But he said, indigenous people, happiness is in the moment. Happiness is right now, is me talking to you and how I then interact with the world in that day, in that moment. And that was life-changing for me. Yep. I would, you know, and I, uh, I, I would, I would call that joy. The difference mm. between joy and happiness. We, happiness is an outcome. It's result-based. Once I get there, then I'll be happy. If I get this, then I'll be happy. I don't know if happiness is what we should actually be chasing. Mm. Um, the joy is, 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 being in process of doing what we're fashioned to do at any given moment, even if it's ideal for us or not, to be in the process of being present in the moment. If you can find joy in that, I mean, I, I think that's as good as it as it gets. I think that we are individuals and countries and people all an aspiration, meaning we're all chasing yet. Now, you might say, wait, if you're chasing yet, that's chasing happiness. But here's where I want to invert that because it's not result oriented. It's not result oriented because what we have to realize is that we're never going to get to yet. (laughs) So if we can go, oh, there's no ta da moment. Oh, there's no result. Oh, now I got it. Now I got it figured out. Now I'm happy. If we understand that that's not possible, there's no such place. Then if we can just small increments, maybe a small ascension in life. You know, maybe, maybe, but but a little bit better, a little bit more true, a little bit more present. Well, that's as good as it gets. And I think that's a mental click and a spiritual click that maybe I know I have to recalibrate often for myself is going, oh, no, this is the process of getting a little bit better or being a little bit more true is as good as it can get. Because mm-hmm. yet is never there. 
Mm. I it's like infinite. that. I like that notion of joy rather than happiness. I've written that down. Okay, so the book is really it's self-deprecating. It's insightful. It's you know, as I said, it's musings of life. Now, you know, I didn't know that you had a relationship with Australia at all until I started reading it, right? <laughs> and then that became the funniest chapter I have ever read. I mean, I just, <laughs> I think I've read it three or four times. Tell me, I mean, also too, Australia must have been so far away at that time. You were 18 years old and you get on a plane and you come to Australia. Tell me about and it's that. a long flight. Oh, it's and a I've long got a flight. big backpack, and <laughs> I'm going for a year. And I've shaken hands with and said I will go for a year with uh, an exchange program that said you need to sign this document guaranteeing that. And I go, what do you mean? They go, everyone tends to go for a year. Everyone gets homesick. Something happens. They want to come home. I said, I'm not coming home. The year's great. Well, it was a long, long flight. We stopped in Auckland on the way. I remember. And then we, I don't know what the airport, the international airport's like now, but I remember it having a large ramp that you went down and there seemed to be thousands of people, sea of people down there. And you could hear the ambiance of all the voices of people greeting people, looking for people. And I heard my name in a certain pitch piercing through the crowd coming in my ears. Matthew, Matthew. And I looked toward it and I saw this hand kind of popping up as it moved towards the end of the ramp. And I knew that the sound was coming from this individual. And um, that was uh, um, the, the, the head of the host family that I, that I stayed with. And I was under the, uh, uh, via them, was told that, you know, that we would be on the, the outskirts of Sydney. And it didn't turn out to be the outskirts of Sydney. Or if it was outskirts, it was outskirts. <laughs> so I didn't, my, my illusions of, you know, my 18-year-old mind in 1988 of sunny beaches and Elle McPherson and, and da da da. This was not the reality. Um, so it was a uh, it was a wild year. I was coming from great freedom and affluence in my life back in Texas. I just graduated high school. I'd made all my grades. Mom and dad were happy. I had a job, so I had money in my pocket. I had a girlfriend at my school and across town. I had a four handicap in golf, and I just made two holes in ones 11 days apart. I had no curfew. I had my car paid for. I was rocking and rolling. Crock about green lights. I was catching them. And all of a sudden, we pull up at this little house in the middle of the country, well on the outskirts of Australia, and it came to a screeching halt. Yeah. Um, no job, no friends, no money, no girlfriends, no car, no license, and a curfew. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, you know, in 1819 for a young man, a young woman is a very identity finding time, no matter it's where you- It's formative, it's formative, yeah. Very formative. And what is odd as the times were for, for me and where I was trying to measure, well, wait, why is this different? Is this odd thing a cultural difference or is this just personal? In hindsight, it was really, a, I had to rely on me. I didn't have anybody. I didn't have dad or mom or anybody to check in with, go, hey, is this cool? What I, how should I feel about this? So I had to rely on me. I had to go write. That's when I really started in earnest putting the pen to the paper writing long letters, mainly to myself. Talk about the Socratic dialogue. Tell me a little bit about your host family. <laughs> well, you know, you can get the book and check it out. Um, they were they were a, a loving family. They were happy to have me there. They just had certain tics that were, that were odd 
and 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 took certain things literally that I did not was not taking literally. I, and I remember thinking early on that maybe there was a bit of a language barrier, but I was like, wait, we're both speaking English. How's your language barrier? <laughs> um, and they were very excited to 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 be my host family to help shape the man that maybe they wanted me to become. So they took the responsibility very seriously, I think sometimes maybe too seriously for me. And we were sometimes miss, ships missing in the night uh, in, in our form of communication. Um, <laughs> you're giggling. <laughs> <laughs> it brought me to tears of laughter. I love it. Well, I'm so glad it brought you to tears of laughter because it brings me to tears of laughter too. And, you know, uh, uh, it was it, it was an odd an, an, an odd year, but a year that I remember on a handshake that I many times was like, I got to pull the parachute. I got to go home. Yeah. I'm losing my mind. Yeah. But I remember always feeling like down in my gut. No, 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 no. Endure this. Endure the loneliness, the loss, the confusion. You endure this. There's something you'll get out of this. And I write it in the book, but I have no doubt that I wouldn't be sitting here with the life I have help create right now in my life if I would not have had that year. Well, I no. think everything we do, every step we take, every step we've taken, sorry, has brings us to where we are here, whether sure. it's right, whether it's wrong, whether sure. you, you fucked up, whether you haven't fucked up, you know, whatever. I want to talk about um, taking up uh, uh, being a vegetarian during that time. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Another talk bright idea. So, look, when we're losing our proverbial mind, sometimes we need – something concrete that I can achieve, that I can have a measurement of achievement today. And if I do that, it'll make me feel like my feet are on the ground. Well, I come up with a few uh, of these disciplines uh, that, I, that I put on myself at this time while I'm losing my grease. And one is I'm gonna start running. Well, I'm gonna run, you're gonna run a couple miles? No, I'm gonna run six miles a day and pretty damn fast. Uh, what else am I gonna do? I'm gonna become celibate, yes. No sex. I think I think maybe my calling is to be a monk. That's right. I don't there's think you had a lot of choice in that. Oh, actually, there's some stories that were not all mine to <laughs> okay. tell of some okay. circumstances I was in okay. that I did have that choice. And I look back now and laugh and go, because I remember <laughs> the, partic the, particular, the particular lady, I remember laughing at me when I was like, no, I, I, I can't. And she was like, you mean you can't as in like you're unable to? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, I'm able. I mean, look, I'm able. <laughs> I just, I, 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 I can't do that. I've sworn to celibacy. And I remember this girl laughing her ass off at me and going, you're really odd, but I like you. Um, and so I did have a chance, but I never, I was, I was like, no, I, I, I cannot do that. I've made that vow. I also decided I'm going to become vegetarian. I don't know how to be a vegetarian. So my big idea is I get a head of iceberg lettuce and a bottle of ketchup, a fork and a knife, and that's my meal. Yeah, so I had that's visions of you sitting down with this family eating a lamb, well, they're eating a lamb roast, and you have got lettuce with yes. tomato sauce. Yes, that's it. All, a full head on the plate. Hmm. And then we'll ketchup on top, knife and fork. Here we go, vegetarian. Yeah, real healthy, Matthew. No, not, not real healthy. <laughs> 
maybe get hydrated, but there's not much nutrients in the iceberg lettuce. Of all I'm the lettuce, that one's got the least nutrients. Too. I'm wondering, because you talk about um, it being a cultural difference in that chapter. I think that's the language you use. That it, there's a call. I'm wondering there what they were thinking of the cultural difference between you and them, because here yeah. you are sitting there eating a lettuce with ketchup. Well, I mean, by that time, the oddities were flying to and fro from me, from them, to to me and to them. I mean, it was, we had, we were on our own little planet <laughs> and we knew that we were all individual and odd creatures on our own little planet. Um, uh, but I wasn't, I, I mean, those, like even the idea of that, of becoming a vegetarian saying, I'm eating my iceberg lettuce with ketchup. That, I was not negotiating or asking permission, anyone permission to that. I needed certain disciplines, how foolish they were or not, that I created. Like that Aboriginal line that came to you, you you heard that, it was for you in that moment. I needed, I my world was, my world in my mind was anarchy at that time. It was chaos. I needed some order. And so I created these disciplines just to give me some linchpins to hang on to go, if I do that, I've achieved that again today. I ran my six miles, I stayed celibate again. And I ate my head of iceberg lettuce with ketchup. Yes, those are three things I did that I came up with. I created those three things. Those are from me. Okay, I did it. Good. Whew, I can get some sleep. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You must have been starving. I got down to about 138 pounds. Yeah. Um, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, one of the most tender part of the books that I think said a whole lot about you, and I've forgotten her name, was it Meredith, the girl in the house, the girlfriend? I believe so. Yeah, Meredith. And yeah. that incident about the kissing, and I won't yeah. give away too much. I think that moment to me was written and told so tenderly and so respectfully that it brought tears to my eyes. And this time uh, I wasn't laughing. Yeah, that's not a laughing moment. It was a, it was an unfortunate circumstance. And I, and I do look back and I'm honored with how, because I almost blew a gasket. Yeah. I mean, I almost blew up and went and, and just blew the situation up. And yeah. in my mind at the time, I had every right to blow that situation up. Sure. But I remember composing and then looking at her and seeing that she was being subjective to the embarrassment yeah. of the situation. Yeah. And, and for I, an 18-year-old, you read that. I read that. I, I remember I remember very clearly. Her hands right here. Yeah. And book for why her hands were on her face, but her hands right here. And 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 she, and she went, she, her head was down, and she looked over, she she goes. And I went, oh, okay, come on. And I remember composing and going over and very softly. 
having a private whispered conversation with her just to she needed to be in a safe spot and I needed to be in a safe spot and I moved and you know hopefully helped her out and we we had an eye to eye communication and she actually gave me a silent thank you as you see in the, in the book yeah mm. okay so moving on from Australia I, I do want to come back and give you an IE test but we'll do that at the end um, my second favourite chapter was when you met Camilla yes Talk to me about that. Well, there I was single, healthily single. Um, I was at a club on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, California. Now, that might sound typical and obvious place to be to anyone out there listening if you were in my shoes in Hollywood, but that was not my territory. That is, I was not a clubber. I would show up at a bar, but I, would, I was mainly hanging out with friends. Guy, I never went to clubs. I didn't really like clubs. I didn't like the steam. I didn't like the, you know, the the vibe. I didn't. I'm not a dun 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 guy. I'm not that. It was club music, all that stuff. For whatever reason, I was out with my friends at this club this night. I'm holding court at my table, making home, my my margarita, my version of margaritas, and look down the end of the table, which is about 12 feet long, about 10 feet past that, and there's haze in the room. This figure moves from my POV right to left. And I remember it was these caramel shoulders, brunette hair, and this very thin turquoise dress that seemed to have a color, a touch of red or orange that I could only see when she would take the right step, which would open up the dress to my POV a tad. But it was all hazy. And I remember I saw this figure move and it was like the head was not bobbing. It was like it was floating right to left. And I remember looking at it and leaning up and going, what is that? I didn't say who is that. I said, what is that? And she sat down, followed over there. I started to try and get her eye and wave over. And just as I started to wave over and almost catch her eye, I hear my mother as a kid telling me, get your ass up, boy. You don't wave this kind of woman up over across the bar. I was like, yes, you're right. Thank you, mom. And get up and go introduce myself. She met me, gave a nice handshake. She recognized who I was, but was not impressed with who I was. I, in that moment, was about to say, would you come over? And again, I kind of heard my mom's words of how I was raised, my dad's words of like, no, she's with two other friends. You invite all of them over, even though you have no interest in the other two, that's the gentleman thing to do. So I invited all of them over. That allowed her to say, friends, excuse me, I'm going alone. But if I would have just invited her, I guarantee she would have said, no, thank you. I'm with my friends. I would have blew it right off the bat. But I invited both her and her friends, which allowed her to say, yes, I'll come over. She came over. She sat down next to me at the end of that table. Music's blaring. She spoke Portuguese in this year. I understood Portuguese that night better than I've ever understood Portuguese. I spoke Spanish, similar to Portuguese, but not completely like Portuguese. I spoke better Spanish than I've ever spoken in my life. And she understood Spanish. Anyway, it was the language of love. Whatever we said, we got along great. All of a sudden, I hear my, my buddy come up and go, hey, let's go at 2, 2 15 in the morning and he tells the story to this day he goes i didn't even look up at him he said he said i put a hand in his face like this and he said i said five minutes give me five minutes <laughs> and invited uh, uh camilla over to the house we're gonna go back with all my friends have another drink she said no I said, ah okay and then we walked outside i was gonna walk i walked her to her car and that's when i caught a little celestial green light her car had been towed Ooh, here we go 
thank you. Oh, okay. I couldn't well, believe that. Right. <laughs> you know, and I remember, and to this day, she's like, did you have anything to do with that? I'm like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> so I, we gave her a ride. I said, come back over to the house, have a drink. And we'll, you know, then we had a driver at my house. And I said, then that, and the driver will take him. She's like, okay. So she comes over. Uh, we hang out 45 minutes, time for her to go. We go outside for the driver take them. Well, guess what the second little green light Celestial suggestion I got. I wondered whether you'd put that up, <laughs> whether you'd sent the driver a text. <laughs> the driver was gone. Of course oh, was. Look at there. Are you kidding me? How's this going on? Well, we got to call a cab. Ah, geez, the reception on cell phones up here in the Hollywood Hills is so bad. Let me just, I'll keep working on it. Get a hold of a cab company or not. Maybe I got, I, I said, I got a hold of a cab company. They don't have any, can't be here for over another hour. It's too late. They want you to stay the night. So give her the uh, the guest bedroom. I sneaked down to that guest room, bedroom twice that night. I got clearly, it was very clear that I was not welcome in that guest bedroom. So <laughs> I was kicked back out, went back to my bedroom. Now cut to the next morning, 10.30 a.m. I'm the last one to get up. My bedroom's upstairs. It comes down a spiral staircase and goes through the sort of corridor that leads to the kitchen table. As I'm coming down the stairs, I hear this conversation from downstairs. I can tell it's in the kitchen. And it's the kind of conversation where people are overlapping each other like old friends and they're telling stories like they're adding on to the story that was already told or, te- or, or hinting to a joke, uh, the innuendo of a joke that was told 15 minutes earlier. It's very common. It's kind of that sounds when you go, oh, these people know each other for a long time. I come down and what do I see? The end of the corridor in the kitchen, sitting in front of the island, in front of our housekeeper who was dishing out pancakes, those same caramel shoulders, that same turquoise dress that I saw move across the room last night that she actually went and slept in. And she's holding court with my two friends who are down there in the morning, shirtless, having orange juice, eating pancakes. And they're talking like they've known each other forever. Now, they just met last night and hung out for 45 minutes. And now here's this woman holding court with my friend, wearing the same thing she wore last night without any shame because she knew who she was. She was not doing any of that sort of juvenile debutante. Oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. No, we're way past embarrassment. She knows why she was there, how she got there and everything. So I said, I'm going to give you a ride to go get your car, which has been impounded. And it's about an hour and 10 minutes away. Now comes the next golden moment. I put in this music of, of Mishka, a great uh, reggae artist who I, I, I went on later to work with. And he made one of my favorite albums. And I put the album in. She rode shotgun, I drove. We would drive and three, four songs would play with the pause in between songs without us saying one word to each other or feeling like we needed to feel the silence. Boy, I, had, I don't, didn't remember the last time I felt that with somebody. And it was so easy. We get there, I drop off her car, I get her number, I go in for a kiss, just as she comes in for the cheek, I swerve a little bit left, I catch about an eighth of an inch of her lip. Yes. Green light, yes. <laughs> and I ask her out that night. Nope. And why can't she that night? Another beautiful reason. It's her father's birthday. So now in my mind, I'm going, ah, lineage, a person who respects family, who may want to go out, but that's non-negotiable. It's her father's birthday. Well, of course, that. what a great reason to be told, no, I'm not going on a date. That's what, what a beautiful, pure reason. I kept asking her out, kept asking her out. Finally, she said yes. 
We had dinner that's 15 years ago, haven't dated, really hadn't dated anyone since. Mm -hmm. And then we had that, about two years later where things started to go really well, we had that night in Papua New Guinea where we're watching the sunset of the Solomon Sea and I was falling in love with her and I asked her, um, after a great afternoon of, uh, of making love, we we're having our first cocktail and I said, what would I ever have to do to lose you? And she had her cocktail glass halfway to her mouth when I asked. And a question like that could make someone stutter a little bit or, or, or stop, you know, you might find a right angle. You might be bringing the glass to your mouth and go, uh, not her. Smooth could be, what would I have to do to lose you? Mm. Now I'm sitting over here, right? She goes, oh, that's easy. And I'm over here going. She goes, turns her head to me, looks at me and says, change. Oh, I crumbled. And right there, that's when I fell in love with Camilla. Beautiful story. Can I tell you, I, she does a a cooking segment. I think it's on Facebook or Instagram. I can't remember. Women women of Today is her son. Oh, right. Okay. So somehow I found that by accident ages ago and I've watched it and I didn't know that there was any relationship to you, right? I didn't put two and two together, but I've enjoyed it. What I've enjoyed the most is the relationship and the tenderness she shows towards your mother. Now, I didn't know that was your mother at the time. I knew that it was her mother-in-law, but I didn't know that her son was, right? And they're my favourite moments in those. Awesome. Look, my mom's 88. She's been with us now for seven months with the quarantine. And it was, my mom's very comfortable in front of a a camera and uh, sometimes as you read in the book, wants to be too comfortable with the camera or wants to be in the camera in front of me. And to this day, she every performance it. I've ever given, she tells me, her compliment to me is like, well, great job. I see where you got it from. <laughs> so she's here, she's 88. We pulled her out of the retirement community. She can make oh. it on her. She doesn't need us to be with her. But Camilla was like, you know what? And we, you know, it's true when people get older, it, a lot of living longer is having a purpose, mm-hmm. staying up to date. I've, I've interviewed elders and, and, and they've, the, the consistency has been some way of staying up to date, whether they've said, oh, I'm this old and I'm happy and healthy because my grandkids keep me up to date with the clothing I wear. Mm-hmm. Or another lady, a Chinese lady who was 114 years old said, no, I make sure I read the paper every day. I stay current, I stay relevant. Well. Mom does her reading and things, but Camilla was like, your mom's great on, you know, if I, what if I get her on the show? It could give her a little, oh, I gotta go put them tomorrow morning, you know, 10 a.m., we're gonna do the deal. She puts on her makeup, she comes out, she loves it, she does it. And now she's even doing this. Camilla's like, your mom coming to me going like, so how are the comments? I really enjoy it. And I had the only time I made the connection is when you talked about the slaw. I, oh, my God, that's Matthew McConaughey's yes. mother. I did not know that. That's Camilla who he's married to. I didn't know that. Uh, and I was enjoying it thoroughly, you know, way before I even knew that. Now, listen, I know that you're, um, that you're time poor. I want to go back to your time in Australia and I want to give you a little test, a little quiz, right? Do you call them tests or quiz? Quiz, test, test, yeah, quiz. Okay. So, you know, um, there is a, a, you know, a, a thing here in Australia where we try, we add like an A or an O or an IE to words. Yeah. And I'm going to give you a word okay. and you're going to Australianize it, right? Got it. Got right. it? Okay. So yeah, we're going to start it. with breakfast. Brecky. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do easy ones first and then I'm going to get to hard ones. Cigarettes. Siggy. 
Yeah. Barbecue. Barbie. Shrimp on the Barbie. Yeah. Okay. So this is a place up the north coast. One Mile Beach. It's a hard one. One Mile Beach. One Mile Beach. Oh, gee. I don't know. One Mile Beach. I don't know. What is it? Wani. Wani? Better. Yes. Yes, even better. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Okay. And another one. Uh, This is another beach up the north coast. Boat Harbour. It's got to be. uh, What What are the locals called? Yeah. Boaty? Yeah. Boaty. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, Matthew. Go on. Oh, Maddie or Macca. Yeah. Maddie. Maddie. Yeah. And last one, Paul. Paulie. Yeah. Paulie. Yeah. Yeah. See, you're good at it. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's been a total pleasure, honestly. You you are wonderful, as is your family, as is your mother, all the people that I see. I've just, there is a vibe that comes from you, Light, and it's peaceful and it's calming and it's full of joy. Thank you. Hear it from you too. Getting it through the screen from you as well. And I love your laughter. I love that you I love that you have a great sense of humor because I think so much of this book is hilarious. And some people are like, well, I didn't find it funny, but I found it funny. I'm like, no, but aren't you laughing through the the truth bombs in it too? Because I sure am. Yeah, absolutely. Matthew McConaughey, thank you so much. You're welcome, Cheryl. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.